It's game time. So to me, that would be a good way to open it up. Yes. You know, so yeah, there's definite appeal there. Oh, no, we just lost our under 20 demographic. It was a fizzer. So where do young people go when they're not uh, catching passes at the Steelers, Tay? Someone like the Jets will probably throw a massive coin at him to try and send his career into a tailspin. Hot diggity dog. I'm an optimist. I, I like having lots of options. Because, I mean, we see this all the time. We see three for twos. We see two for ones. Honestly, mate, that'd be enough to make me play well. This is a game my wife and I play at home, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> this is the Astro League. It sounds so weird in, like, an Australian accent. The Astro League. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> the Astro League podcast. I think my sheriff's decision is I, I just wouldn't do it during the season. Well, g'day, g'day, and welcome to the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Matty C. I am the commissioner of the Astro League. I am the host of the show as well. Very important. I guess it's also important to know for the purposes of this league, I actually own a team and I run the Carabar Kings franchise. Carabar, suburb of Queanbeyan, mighty Queanbeyan, where quite a few guys from the podcast hail from. But uh, I guess ostensibly, this is the Canberra region and most guys have either had some connection to the Canberra region or played with the Astros or are friends with somebody who's from the Astros football team. So that's kind of how our league has come to be. Overall too, I think it's good to know that our league is 16 teams, so it's quite big. And we've got some weird scoring. We're a half PPR league. We've got uh, extra bonuses for quarterbacks who can throw touchdowns. They get six points instead of four, where four would be standard. And then there's a whole bunch of other bonuses around yardage. So, our league is a little bit of a unicorn. Now, on the show today, we did this last year. By the way, our podcast is having a birthday. Happy first birthday to the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast. Our first show was in the first week of July last year. And it kind of feels cool to be a year old. And we've done some really interesting things over the year too. We talked to every owner in our league, uh, including me. Um, I kind of smashed it in about me through every episode. So, if you want to piece all that together, you get to know a bit about me. But otherwise, we also directly went after all 15 owners in the league. And then we also talked to other guys from around about the fantasy landscape and around about the independent podcast landscape in the first year of our show. And we're going to continue all facets of those things through the future of our show. So... A few things that really worked well from last year are immediately where I'm going to go back to. And this was a great series to kick us off last year. We did a few off-season pre-draft things through July, which were really, really valuable. And we're going to do them again because for us, getting resources about our league is really, really difficult because the scoring is so odd. The size of the league is so odd. So, we kind of have to make our own. And here we are all over again doing the same thing as we did last year, doing it all over again. So, I'm going to call this episode Things to Remember from 2020 and it exactly mirrors what we did last year with the Things to Remember from 2019 and I think what is important about it is it tells us some things that are the truth about some players in our league and also tells us the truth about the way we draft in our league and then also gives us a bit of a rundown of, well, okay, so how do those things collide? So, if you're ready for it, Let's get into it. You watch Captain Morgan, Melvin Gordon, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, just to name a few. These are Taylor's boys. These are not only his husband, but his best man at his wedding, I think. The pickup of Justin Sherbert not only gave me some light at the end of the tunnel, but a soulmate to spend the rest of my life with. We're all here for a good time, not a long time. Okay, so I've got... It's probably about 11 or 12 things, but let's start with number one. Now, I think the most important thing to know straight off the bat is that quarterbacks will matter to wide receivers. And this sounds, I guess, a little bit rudimentary because, well, how does a wide receiver get the ball if it's not for the quarterback throwing it to them? What I think a few guys get tricked into is the idea of a player for a team who 
aren't terribly good all of a sudden being really, really valuable to the wide receiver because they're playing catch-up all the time and so the quarterback's forced to throw. I think that is the exception more than the rule. Let's have a quick look down the list of wide receivers who were at the top of the tree last year. Devontae Adams played two and a half games less than everybody else and he was still the number one receiver. Want to know why? His quarterback is Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers finished as the number one scoring player in our league altogether. So no surprise the correlation is there. The number two receiver in our scoring was Tyreek Hill. Any guesses who his quarterback is? Oh, only Patrick Mahomes, also a top three quarterback in our scoring. Oh, Stefan Diggs, the number three wide receiver. Yeah, well, his quarterback finished between Adams and Tyreek Hill's quarterback. He finished number two. So all of a sudden now you can see the top three wide receivers had the top three point scoring quarterbacks throwing to them as well. So it's, there's a correlation there. It's worth knowing. Obviously, Calvin Ridley, who finished four, he started out with a bang when Matt Ryan was out with a bang, and he just did enough to hang on there, even though Matt Ryan kind of fell apart. And, of course, then DeAndre Hopkins was our fifth. And funny, but his quarterback was the number four in our scoring, a fellow named Kyler Murray. So that's good to know. And then these quarterbacks who were on teams who were continually chasing were guys like Matt Stafford. Well, he finished 16th. Jared Goff, well, he finished 13th. Drew Locke, well, he was in the... Th- 30s or something uh baker mayfield was like quarterback 35 so it's it's important to understand that you really want a quarterback whose offense is moving the ball you want the receivers from his offense especially the number one receiver and once you get out of number one receivers okay you can start getting cute there but when it's coming to your highest picks you really do need to invest them in teams where the guy throwing them is legit this is the astro league fantasy football podcast number two I like this one because I like to think I was like this. Prototype isn't always best. Old Matty C here. Uh, I'm 60 kilos thereabouts. I don't know what that is in pounds. I, I, I don't know. But have a look at uh, the prototype quarterbacks, guys who we just expect to be good because they're good passers. And they're guys like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. You know, And there's nothing wrong with them because the volume is there and they throw a lot of touchdowns. Then there's kind of like the new quarterback. The guy who runs. And he, this is the guy who is going to, I think, become the prototype. This is what we will come to expect from quarterbacks. And the statuesque guy who just drops back five to seven steps and passes. I, I can imagine that guy becoming the, the more rare example of a quarterback. And these guys who can scurry and have design runs for them becoming the new normal. And these guys are Josh Allen, Colin Murray, Lamar Jackson, Russ, and uh, Deshaun Watson have been doing it for longer than any of those guys. Uh, and then... I think once you break out of that, you start getting to the guys who are in the bottom part of the top 10 and the, um, and beyond. So, they're, they're guys who you're probably not spending the big money on. But, I mean, I think this is the thing. Your prototype quarterback for a million years is not necessarily the best guy because these guys who do the second dimension of things, which was less common, is now becoming the new normal. At running back, have a look at these guys, right? You get your Derrick Henry, your Josh Jacobs, your Zeke, your Jonathan Taylors, your Nick Chubbs. They are guys who just get the rock and run, baby. Run, run, run. And, I mean, Zeke is probably the pass catcher out of the five of them. But, I mean, once you compare him to guys like Alvin Kamara had 83 catches last year. 83. There's good wide receivers who didn't have 83 catches. And we saw that all that catching caught him up to Derrick Henry, even though Kamara had less than 1,000 yards and Derrick Henry had over 2,000. Uh, the other running backs who had good catching totals were like J.D. McKissick had 80 catches. 80 catches! 
That's crazy. Naeem Hines had 63 catches. Uh, Mike Davis at Carolina had 60. He's in Atlanta this year. Uh, Austin Eckler, in limited time, had 54 catches. And none of those guys are the big bruising running back. They're the, the guy who just kind of flays out into a flat or just pops in behind the, the, you know, behind the line, in front of the linebackers on a play action and just kind of catches it. Away you go. Uh, they're not prototypical, but they are still super handy. Just don't lose it. This is the Astro League, your Astro League podcast, fantasy football. Yeah, boy. Number three is the super stud running back. Now, we mentioned a couple of these guys up at number two. The reason I call these guys out is they are potent. These guys are akin to having a second quarterback, in all honesty. So, have a crack at this, right? The top scoring running back last year in our scoring was Alvin Kamara at 338 points. Derrick Henry, a close number two, 333. Dalvin Cook, 323. And then it tails off really quickly. There's like a 60-point gap to number four. So, let's, let's just leave it at those three. All of these running backs would have finished between quarterback 12 and 13 in our scoring. So, essentially, if you have one of these guys and you have one of that top 12-ish kind of quarterbacks. You've essentially got two quarterbacks in scoring terms. So do not ignore the chance to get a super stud running back when they're available. All of these three guys were predictable to be big scoring running backs before the season started last year and were drafted as such, except maybe Derrick Henry. I think because he scored so many touchdowns the year before, people were aware if he would repeat it. But now once you've seen a couple of seasons of it in a row, I think you've got to see it as a trend and not as luck. But those super stud running backs know their power. This is Adam from the Queensland football team and you're listening to the Astro League podcast. Number four is the post-hype sleeper. I loosely categorize these into three buckets. They are a guy whose system is not going to change really from last year to this year, but kind of bombed, didn't live up to expectation. There's the guy who's getting new coaching with an established process that you can sort of see what the success was in the place that he came from. And then you also got the ones who, you know, they, they kind of had enough opportunity, but just kind of failed to produce. So the volume was there and the points kind of weren't. Let's explore these each, right? The reason I like them is because I think people will undervalue some of them. Maybe not all of them, but you might be able to pick up a guy here who is in one of these buckets who then just completely outproduces what people are expecting. So, guys who are not changing their system, they've kept the same coaching and they just kind of had an odd year last year and and maybe didn't live up to things. Uh, Guys like Joe Mixon, Amari Cooper, probably Zeke as well. I think the Cowboys offense, it's easy to pick on them. T.Y. Hilton, Michael Thomas, even Hollywood Brown, I think we were maybe expecting more out of. None of those guys are accepting new coaching. Really, there is quite a lot that can still be repeatable from years where they've been quite good and there is a great chance that they will all see downgrades in draft value this year. I mean, I've seen drafts where Zeke is not considered a top five running back and I think that's kind of crazy. Who is getting new coaching with a really established process about what they do? There were seven teams that got new coaches this year. Now, I think we can see Atlanta is getting a coach from a very run-heavy system, very play-action heavy in Arthur Smith. So, that'll be interesting. Detroit getting the Dan Campbell experience. And we sort of saw what he'd done when he took over the reins in Miami. So, that'll be interesting. Houston, 
I don't know what to expect from Houston, so I'm going to skip straight past them. But if there is a chance for a team to completely surprise everybody and just kind of pull something up out of nowhere and not know what to expect and all of a sudden produce really helpful guys who are really cheap, keep an eye on Houston. Of course, the Jags, who've got completely new everything pretty well. I mean, is there anyone in that building who was still there last year? I ask you. Uh, the LA Chargers, the New York Jets, and the Philadelphia Eagles are all in the same kind of boat of just tipping everything out and starting all over again. So that's kind of cool. Um, but knowing what those new coaches bring and where they came from, super important because I think it will give you a window as to who you think will be the worthwhile players on those teams, just given where we've seen those coaches have their successes. The other thing I like to talk about is who got the volume, but for whatever reason failed to produce. Juju, tons of targets. Mike Evans, uh, Brandon Cooks, DJ Moore. These are just a couple of wide receivers who had a heap of targets and probably didn't live up to what you're hoping for, especially in preseason hype. I think the whole idea that Carolina was going to be something really big and then DJ Moore was kind of on a milk carton for a while. And then running backs too. I think Aaron Jones kind of had a disappointing year, but he had plenty of volume. Kenyon Drake as well. Let's not talk about Miles Sanders, for goodness sake. Um, So, these are guys who I think people were expecting good years out of and then for whatever reason, the tires were not fully inflated in terms of what they brought you back. Um, I think you could get any of these guys at a fair discount compared to last year considering those things and it's really up to you whether you trust them or not but I just think it's worthwhile knowing that we've seen each of these players be something before and it's up to you to judge whether you think they will again. This is Mark Downey, owner and GM of the recently relocated and renamed Going For Tour, and this is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. Number five. This one gets my goat. This is my grumble. I'm on a soapbox on this one. Kickers and defense. There is always some knob. I'm going straight for you. I'm going to call you a knob. There's always some knob who's drafting live. I excuse the auto-drafters for just getting what the computer gives you. Kind of. I'll get into them later. But... Some knob who's drafting live who goes out and will grab a defense in round six, seven, eight, and some kicker in like round nine or something like that. And I just think, oh God, in standard scoring, in standard scoring, and we pretty much have standards for both these positions at the moment. They are not worth choosing until, and I'm going to say this clearly, the 11th round. We have 13 rounds. The reason I say this is that we have been playing in this league since 2000. And 10. In that whole time, there has never been one kicker finish first two times. Not even two times in a row, just two times at all. It's been 11 different kickers, 11 seasons. So, I think that gives you an indication. These things, you can get guys who finish in the top part and they can recycle a top part finish. To me, if you are not getting the number one guy, the guy you expect to finish clear and away above every other kicker or defense... You have wasted your pick taking a punt on someone who's going to finish sixth because people who then didn't pick so stupidly high, four or five of them have just elevated their score above you and they've probably got better supporting cast around in the rest of their lineup because they didn't do the knob move. So that's that's what I'm on about. And same with kickers, same with defense. Goes out with defenses. Half of them do not even recycle a top 12 finish year to year. Don't, don't worry about getting a guy, a defense who, who can get you elite kind of points years in a row, half of them won't even be on the fringe of being startable the next year. And and I guess because they're an 11-man position, there's just too much that can change. There's too much chemistry that can change. There's too much that can change in terms of that they don't change a lot, but the teams going up against them change enough in their division to mess it up. So it's, it's just, to me, 
in the 11th, 12th, or 13th round. Take a defense that you think is going to generate turnovers. Nothing else. Turnovers. Go for turnovers. We established with Seahorse in the offseason, turnovers and defensive touchdowns are where the points are in our league. Until we change that scoring, that's who you need. Who do you think is going to create the turnovers? And with kickers, there is no magic here. Guys who you've seen consistently be in the top five, okay? Use your 10th, 11th round pick. I don't even like 10th. 11th round pick. Use your 11th round pick at risk of being called a wanker by me for whatever that's worth. And go and get one of those guys. Otherwise... Anyone who's on an offense you think is going to be in the forward half of the field a lot. Because for the kicker, he doesn't know if he's kicking for 1.3 points. For us, we get five points for a 50-yard field goal. He, he doesn't know that when he walks out there. And he has to go through the same process of difficulty to kick every single time. And he doesn't know what he's kicking for. It doesn't matter to him what he's kicking for either. One or three, his team's going to be mad at him if he misses. And his whole goal is just to make that one play out of nowhere every time he's called on. So there's no science to it. Just go and get a guy who you think is going to be on an offense that's going to be in scoring position often. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. Do you like someone that goes from topic to topic and tries to think of interesting things to say? Well, look no further than the Chaotic Neutral Podcast, where I, your host, have on solo episodes and collabs like with podcasters and have fun while I do it. I like to talk about things from cats to drinking two quarts of apple juice from just cuz. And if you are interested in my podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at KO Neutral Pod and Instagram at Chaotic Neutral Pod. Hey there, this is Bobby with the Rock Guys Podcast and you are listening to the Astral League Podcast. These Aussies know NFL fantasy football. But related entry jokes. I think that that sort of activity and action stopped. They wouldn't have to rely on Cam's cooked noodle of an arm. <laughs> it wouldn't have made a difference. The PEDs on Wheat Bix. It's been a good show. I don't think there was going to be an advantage. I was in the pissing down rain that day in a poncho, so I remember it very well too. Number six. This happens in our league. I think it happens in a lot of leagues now, but for us, the first round of a draft, be ready, it is running back heavy. Now, on average, in our 16-team league, over the length of our draft history, there is an average of 10 running backs drafted in the first round in the time we've been a 16-team league. 10. And I mean, so it's 9.8. But for the purposes of this year, expect there's going to be no less than 10. And the reason I say no less than 10 is because last year, there were 13 in the first round and the other three picks were all wide receivers. It was just absurdly running back heavy. And in a way that hasn't ever been done before. And then have a look at where the guys finished. CMC and Saquon, probably safe to say they would have both finished quite a way up had they been healthy because the volume is there and they're used for multiple things. But Zeke finished at running back 11. Kamara, running back 1. Cook, running back 3. So these are guys that were drafted 3, 4, and 5 at running back. It was Alaire was the fifth running back taken off the board. He finished 21. Ask anyone who owned him. It didn't even feel like it was that good. Derrick Henry, he finished 2 from being picked 7th. Joe Mixon was the eighth running back. Okay, fair enough. He was hurt. Kenyon Drake, the ninth running back, finished 13. Austin Eckler was drafted 10th. Then Josh Jacobs, who finished 8th. Nick Chubb, who finished 9th. And the last running back of the first round was Miles Sanders, who finished 23rd. All those gaps where we didn't name a player, like the guy who finished 4th or 5th or 6th or 7th, 
none of them were drafted in the first round. And they all returned first round value. So, it's going to be running back heavy. You're going to have a lot of injuries or maybe even this year, you're going to have guys sitting out on COVID restrictions like we saw a lot last year with some of these guys. The only games some of these guys missed were because they were out for close contact COVID. They didn't have it themselves. And then when you have a look at the stability of wide receiver, Michael Thomas and Julio Jones, along with Devante Adams, were our top three wide receivers. They were the ones who were picked in the first round. And the stability in wide receiver means that, you know, so Michael Thomas and Julio Jones both had their troubles last year, but these are the top 10 drafted wide receivers. Devante Adams was the third, right? And he finished first. Chris Godwin, okay, he broke his hand, fair enough. Tyreek Hill, the fifth, finished second. DeAndre Hopkins, who was drafted fifth, finished five as well. Mike Evans, who was drafted sixth, finished ninth. DJ Moore, who was, uh, what's that, seventh? Okay, so he finished 20th. All right. Galladay. Oh, God. Okay. But Adam Thielen. Even Adam Thielen, who was the last of the top 10 wide receivers drafted, finished 8th. So, you've, the guys who were on the field, they all finished way up there. I mean, the, the stability is there. So, if you don't get to a spot where you can take a running back, you actually feel really confident in it. The price you're going to have to pay because, I mean, have a look at some of these guys. Miles Sanders was the 16th overall pick. Austin Eckler was like the 11th overall pick. And any of these wide receivers underneath all would have returned a better value. So, don't, don't feel like you've got to be boxed into taking a running back. But be ready because it's going to be running back heavy. And I think all that happened last year was we all got scared into taking a running back in case there wasn't one left. It's down. It's dirty. It's the mean streets of Queanbeyan. This is your Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. All right. I've only got a few to go. So, I'm going to speed this up. This is number seven. Have a think about why a trade did or didn't work. Now, last year was a record season of trades. I think Taylor pretty well set a league record for trades on his own. Um, I think just the trades he did would have set a league record if no one else completed a trade with anyone that wasn't named Taylor. But I think the trade of the year, this is the cool thing about the trades, the way they've worked now is I don't think people are getting screwed on trades anymore. Have a go at this. I think this is the best trade of the whole year and I would love people's opinion on this trade. Tony Connor, TC, the Squazmongers Junior Vice Media Liaison, sent Miles Gaskin, Duke Johnson while he was the starter, and David Johnson was out on concussion, and DJ Chark to Jackal. Jackal sent back Zeke and Nelson Aguilar. This actually worked out to be beneficial to both because TC, okay, he did something really dumb in one of his weeks, and I'll get into that. He, he though... After this trade, did enough to secure his division. He traded with a guy who was 2-9. and nine. Jackal was 2-9. and nine, And he won his last two games on the strength of the trade he did to finish 4-9, and nine, which was equal with any other team in the league. We had three teams finish 4-9. and nine. It was the best last place finish we've ever had. Now, TC wins both his last two games of the season too if he isn't an absolute dick and bench Aaron Rodgers in Week 12 to start Fitzmagic. Now... Aaron Rodgers outscores Fitzmagic by like 19 points. And honestly, like TC loses by six. And it was in a game that was like 119 to 125. So both guys actually put up scores that should win almost every week. And it was against Ryan, uh, our mate, the Cornhuskers. But gee, that actually kept the door open for Ryan to make a playoff run. And he had to lose week 13 to lose that, to have it extinguished by Jackal. And... Ah, if Tony had just started Aaron Dan Rogers, only the number one fantasy quarterback in the entire league, instead of getting cute and starting his boyfriend Fitzmagic, who he's got a shrine to in his house and he, you know, wanks in the general direction of most days, then he would have 
slammed the door on Ryan, secured his spot to the playoffs in week 12. Week 13 would have just been a coast along. But instead, he stumbles in to finish 7-6 and six by just squeaking past him in the last game of the season to claim the division. So this is an example of a trade that works for both the guys because then both the guys go on to win their weeks. Point of that whole rant is, Think about why a trade worked. That trade was fantastic. It helped guys who had strength share their strength with another team to consolidate something else. That's what I'm looking at. Those trades were happening more last year than ever before. Keep it up. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. This one's number eight, number eight, number eight. Injured. I've just called it injured because uh, it wasn't only injury last year. There were more than just injury concerns as to why players miss games in a way that has never really happened before. The reason I bring this up, though, is of the top 32 guys drafted, this is the first two rounds of our draft last year. Have a crack at this. This is all the guys who missed games that weren't week 17. So if a player just missed week 17, mm, I'm just saying that. A lot of teams will rest a guy in week 17 if they're terrific or terrible. I decided not to pass apart team need on this one and just went, right, if the only week you're inactive is week 17, I'm just throwing you out. I'm going to say that you're you're fine. But have a go at this. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, Devante Adams, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Julio Jones, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Chris Godwin... George Kittle, Chris Carson, Le'Veon Bell, Lamar Jackson, James Conner, DJ Moore, Melvin Gordon, Kenny Golladay, and Todd Gurley. Every single one of those guys missed at least one game. That wasn't week 17 last year. So when you needed them, and I mean, in week 16, there's really only two teams going. So, I mean, this is an awful lot of guys. This is 25 of 32 who missed time. The reason I put this in, though, is... That's a lot of misfortune. There is a lot that's going wrong that you have no control over. So I guess all you can really do is try and pick the best team that you, you, you know, you've got a good gut feeling about, I guess. Guys who you like, guys who you think are the most likely to be on the field. And it moves me to number nine really, really quickly. Hey, this is Adam from the Queensland football team. Looking for an actual challenge this year. Be funny if I didn't make finals. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. I totally held my breath the whole time that drop was going in. Number nine is properly hurt. So these guys are fellas who missed time. That wasn't just a COVID thing or maybe just a one week on, you know, feeling a bit of soreness or something. It was Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Michael Thomas, Devante Adams, Julio Jones, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Chris Goldwyn, George Kittle, James Conner and Kenny Golladay. That's still 12 of the top 32 drafted who missed significant time. So again, okay, that's almost one for every team. And it's just kind of bad luck that you end up with a guy like that who misses significant time because they're not planning on being hurt and you're not planning on drafting a guy who's hurt. But I guess the question this year too is how much do you trust any of those guys? Will a few have lost a bit of perceived value and will any of them be this year's bargains? Because I think there's also going to be a bit of a perception that some of those guys are going to be less valuable this year than last year. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Oh, we're doing great. We're here in our bunker here in Florida. I'm just kidding. We're from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, (laughs) Do you actually know where it is? Do you also call people turkeys? It's either moist freezing. Really? The umbrella had a wonderful time. All right, number 10. We're really close to the end here is playoff schedules. I hear this often is people go, oh, well, this guy has a better playoff schedule than that guy. And I think to myself, man, weeks 14 and on? Doesn't matter. 
we have a few decisions to make about what our playoffs going to be like this year. But what I want to say here is do not look at a playoff schedule for players as a factor in who to take at draft day. Maybe mid-season if your team is undefeated halfway through and you know you're going to the playoffs. I mean, even then, that's a little counting your chickens. Because, I mean, 10 out of 16 teams in our leagues don't even get there. Don't even suit up for any of the end-of-season weeks. And of those, only six at the time of recording are getting in at all. And of those six, only four are living to see the second week. So now, by week 15... How valuable is it to know what Kenyon Drake's, you know, week 15 opponent's going to be now or in week six? Does does it matter? Um, It really, I think, is something that is a bit overblown. And when you hear people talking about it, just feel free to know that when you roll your eyes at them, I'm rolling my eyes too. What's up, everybody? This is Vic from the Mind Sam Podcast. And even though I'm all the way in sunny Miami, Florida, doesn't stop me from catching the Astro League Podcast. And we've done it. Ladies and gentlemen, we've done it. We've gotten to number 11, the final one. This is the last thing to remember from last year and from our drafting to bring in to your 2021. And this is it. Free agent movement. Now, what I want to share here is that some players, they look like that they have found their nirvana with a big free agent deal to move them into a team where there's an immediate need for someone with their skills, right? I mean, this is really strange, but it rarely returns fantasy points. And, I mean, everyone gets real crazy about it in March when it all happens. But then come August, September, October, when you're drafting the guys and then you need them to score your points, it just sometimes it just doesn't relate. So, here's some of the big free agent moves from last year, in last year's offseason. Teddy went to Carolina as the quarterback. Austin Hooper went to Cleveland in the most expensive tight end deal ever. Somehow, Randall Cobb earns the biggest free agent contract of wide receivers and goes to Dallas. Philip Rivers goes to Indianapolis. Robbie Anderson goes to Carolina. Melvin Gordon ends up in Denver. Jimmy Graham goes to the Chicago Bears. Jordan Howard gets like the second richest running back contract to go to Miami. Leonard Fournette, right before the season starts, winds up at Tampa Bay. Greg Olson goes to the Seattle Seahawks. Strangely, Peyton Barber gets like the fifth most money of all running backs to change teams and winds up in Washington. Todd Gurley goes to Atlanta and everyone thinks that's going to be like the land of milk and honey. Devonta Freeman goes to the New York Giants as soon as Saquon's hurt and people are like, yep, give that guy this many touchdowns. Like, oh, Ebron went to Pittsburgh. People are like, wow, this is going to be great. And I mean, some of these fellas, I don't know if you'll know these guys, but there was a guy named Rob Gronkowski, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Tom Braddy and uh, Antonio Brown, and they all wound up in Tampa Bay. No, I'm joking. I know these guys. Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski. They all end up in Tampa Bay. Now, some of these end up being success stories. Great. A few of them, though. Have a real think about how many of them were guys you could rely on week on week. So, all I'm saying is, like, you get Kenny Golladay now this season in the offseason signs this wonderful deal to go to the New York Giants and everyone's like, well, this will be great, this will be great. Yeah, actually, maybe it won't be great till next year. The year that these guys move often isn't a great year. So, you know, it's just worth knowing whether that's actually going to matter. I don't know. Just, yeah, I think people get all enamored with it. And it turns out sometimes the change of teams actually not as helpful as you might think. So, just hang on to these 11 things and, and hopefully they will help guide you into drafting a reasonable team to take with you when you get into your league this year, especially our league where things are kind of kooky. 
The results are in. The people have spoken. That's what it comes down to. We're not the no-fun league. But you need time to negotiate that. That's what my wife says. Very quick. Uh, Let's jump in and do this thing. So, here is the list from top to bottom. Number one, quarterbacks. They do matter to wide receiver. Number two, every position's got a prototype, but they're not the only guys who score a bunch of points. Three, the super stud running back. There's a few of them, and they're like a second quarterback, so do not pass up a chance to get one. Four, the post-hype sleeper. Guys who have had opportunity, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Guys who are in an unchanged system and just kind of disappointed the year before, and guys who are getting a brand new system where you know what the hallmarks of success are from the coach's last spot. Those guys, just keep an eye on them. Number five, don't be a douche and take a kicker or a defense earlier than round 11. The world is laughing at you when you do that. Number six, running back heavy in the first round. So be prepared and don't let it bully you off getting a really great guy at a different position. Do not overpay to get a guy in the first round you didn't want to get in the first round just because you're scared of not getting a running back. Number seven, sometimes trades work brilliantly. Sometimes they don't. Just remember why they did or didn't because they may help you unlock some real value this year. Number eight, just remember the fallen correctly because everybody it seemed last year got hurt from the first two rounds. And number nine is, just don't forget (laughs) that of the 25 guys who were hurt, it was really 12 who were significantly hurt. And it's just bad luck, right? Everybody seemed to own one of them. And there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is just hope that you've got enough horses still in the stable to try and get you by. Number 10, (sighs) playoff schedule is not going to matter at draft day. Do not worry about, oh, week 14 onwards. It's not even week one. And number 11, free agent movement in the offseason may be not as valuable as you think. All right, that's all I've got. My name is Matty C. I'm the host of the show. I am the owner of the Carabao Kings franchise in this wonderful little league, the Astros, entering our 12th season. I am so grateful that I get to be the commissioner of this really cool league. Everybody, find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Astro League Podcast. Everybody who's in the league, make sure you have got notifications on for our message thread because it is about to get wild. We're going to do a few more of these episodes for preparing for draft day. And we're also going to have more meetings through the offseason about how to get draft day to happen and be a cool experience and what things we still have to decide about from last year's offseason survey. Watch this space. Matty C, host of the show, Big idiot, but really, really hoping that some of this is helpful to you guys. And some of this may even be transferable to other leagues. So hopefully, hopefully this has helped. Leave us a comment, message us directly on any of the platforms, and we will absolutely love to touch base and talk with you about your fantasy league. I'm going to get out of here. Hooroo! Play. Play this is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League-specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C. <laughs>